Are you curious what the 90s song was that I was humming to see if my microphone was picking up right? Yes, I am. I don't remember the name of it, so I'm just going to have to hum a few bars, but it was the do 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 do. What is that fucking song called? So today on Girls Talk Comics we are talking the vision from marvel <laughs> yeah insert synthetic noises ooh what a, what's that instrument that they have in doctor who oh yeah like, i would le- i would say <laughs> i need to learn how to play that except i don't even know what it's called so mm, there goes that idea theremin theremin you know, I think we need to tell them who we are. I guess that's a fair introduction. I am Aaron, your master of mediocrity. <laughs> and I'm the lieutenant of literature, Jessica. Welcome back. Season two. Episode. So many. Yeah. I don't know. I'd have to look at the schedule. Is it episode four? Episode no. Oh, God. The Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> yes. Mm, I like that. <laughs> we should just say we're Phantom Menace episode every time. Yes. Episode Phantom Menace. This was almost episode four, but it's episode five. So I was, so as I already said, we're talking The Vision by Marvel. Do you want me to do the little spiel? Yeah. Do your spiel, girl. Tell me why I should care. So normally the show doesn't have scripts. I don't know if you can tell from whenever we're doing our spiels that maybe some of it is written down. And so bear with me. The Vision series was originally published in 2015 to 2016. It was published by Marvel, written by Tom King, and drawn by Gabriel Hernandez Walta. This miniseries centers around Vision, obviously, and the family that he makes as a reward to himself. He had, after all, saved the world roughly 36 times. I think that was the number. Whatever it was, he deserved this family and a normal life in an average suburb. His family is small. There's his wife, Virginia, and their two children, Viv and Vin. Their life is idyllic and typical, with the same family arguments that the average middle-class family experience. Who does the chores, struggles with homework, wanting to just be an average middle-class teen. This all goes well until the stress of the family, the expectations of perfection, Vision's strict control, and the prejudice and bullying brings the facade crashing down. This is a difficult story to surmise. I was more caught up in the symbolism, the relationships, and the themes in the actual plot. In fact, they were so closely entwined for me that it's hard for me to distinguish between plot and my interpretation of it. I'm going to give it a shot. Vision has created his own family. He moves into a DC suburb in Virginia, wanting to live a normal life, the life he feels he deserves. His wife and children play their idyllic roles within the family unit, and all goes well until the outside world intervenes. Vin is bullied for being weird, a synthesoid. This results in Vin internalizing this anger and persecution. The Grim Reaper attacks the Vision's house, causing Viv to be seriously injured, Vin to shut down from a failure of logic and trauma, and for Virginia to retaliate in an unexpected and violent way. While this is happening, Vision is thinking about his lost love and all the times he saved the world, and how he deserves the perfect life. After the Grim Reaper's attack, things quickly escalate. Virginia deteriorates as she copes with her maternal urges. Viv withdraws and develops depression as she mourns her teenage crust. 
and Vin becomes more angry and mistrusting, inevitably dying at the hands of Vision's brother. It's a fucking ride. <laughs> like, <laughs> Vision finds out that his brother Vincent, another creation of Ultron, was sent as a spy by the Avengers. So when he finds that this man killed his son, he seeks revenge against the Avengers, getting precariously close to completing his original mission from Ultron to destroy the Avengers. So Vision breaks into the headquarters, confronts his brother, is about to kill him when Virginia driven by something, maybe just simply her first act of agency, her second act of agency in the story, kills Vincent instead, keeping both Vision and Vincent from ultimately destroying the Avengers, which good for her, I guess. So this plot is complicated as all hell, to be honest, but really caused me to panic. I grew up in a middle-class family. My father is a military vet, and so much of the pathos of the story reminded me of when I was in high school, when my father was deployed, and my family deteriorated due to distance, substance abuse, and neglect. No one was killed, but our facade of a perfect middle-class family was not maintained, no matter how desperately my parents tried. I mean, you can't really hide the fact that your kids have to call their dad in Kuwait to ask if they can raid his change stash so they can order pizza because they tried calling their mom who hadn't been home in three days and she wasn't answering her phone. That's kind of hard to do. I'm just saying watching the Vision's house deteriorate was a representation of an emotional state that I could relate to. And it was really hard to separate the culture, (laughs) the implication of it from the actual plot. Uh, I don't know, Jess, can you explain the plot better? Um, well, I only read volume one because I'm lazy, apparently. But, um, (laughs) seemed like you did a decent job of covering what I knew about it. I can see now why I didn't get hit as hard by this emotional train because I had, this thing has been hyped, like, to me since it came out, right? Like, I had so many people like, oh my god, this is an amazing story, etc, 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 right? And I, I mean, like, I can see, I can see that it's a good story. I could see that it's a, you know, like, oh shit, a lot of things are going wrong kind of story. But I did not have that family dynamic to begin with. So I never had the deterioration of a family dynamic of that ilk. You know, like, I'm a product of a single mother household. You know what I mean? Like, shit was not, shit was not idyllic ever. (laughs) So I was not super, I couldn't figure out why. I wasn't super emotionally involved with this. And kind of my original thought was that I was stumbling over the way that the visions talk. You know, like that very data-esque, I'm sorry, I can't do that, Hal, type centroid thing that is how they communicate. um, Impersonal, kind of cold communication. Yeah, Yeah, but I, I didn't have any investment in the beginning of the story, the type of family that they're showing and actively ripping apart before your eyes. I was just sort of like confused why... I don't know. I never, I never got into like why the vision wanted that. So I, I mean, like, I feel, I feel like I've missed out a little bit on like cultural zeitgeist because of my history in this case, because I, I definitely wish this would have felt as emotionally fulfilling to me as I was expecting, you know, like maybe I got built up too much. Maybe, maybe I just didn't have the history to be able to appreciate how well done it was because I'm sure it was well done. Like I can see that families like that probably exist elsewhere, (laughs) but I was a, you know, small town. It was a good summary, I think, of what the situation is. And I think the part, well, the two parts that stuck out to me the most was him lying to the cops for the first time and like making that conscious decision that he was going to have a human family and in that way have that emotional attachment to them above all else, right? Which was this huge like reveal 
where he was like, no, I'm going to hold this as the thing that is most important. Earth be damned. I already did my job. I already did my due diligence on the earth. Like I want my family now. And then the whole, like, I know what'll solve this. I'll make a dog. Like that is the two. (laughs) (laughs) Like those are the two things that really jumped out to me when I was reading this for the first time. I was like, oh yeah. I mean, like, I feel like that's the lesser, like of instead of making another small child to go with it, (laughs) which is the only other type of I don't know like I am so glad you mentioned the dog though like (laughs) the dog that is such a tragic scene like there's a lot in this book about humanity that dog scene where the the neighbor's dog gets into their yard and chews on I think the Grim Reaper's weapon yeah and it kills the dog and Vision (laughs) instead of being like oh shucks I should apologize to the neighbor because there's a corpse in my backyard was like i'm going to turn this dog into a robot dog for my children you like (laughs) like i read that and i was like what the fuck (laughs) (laughs) but it also feels like that that suburban dad move doesn't it you know like "Mm, (laughs) i haven't been here like i should here's a puppy kids you know like sorry i've been so distant you know like it feels like a sitcom move doesn't it like Oh my god, yes, he's placating. <laughs> like, here's the pony girls. <laughs> like, exactly. Like, I know I can't parent you directly, but sorry, I went out for cigarettes and came back years later. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like I can I can see where it's good. I just never got that emotional like investment in it. And I a hundred percent wonder if it's because I didn't have the cultural touchstones of it, it didn't immediately latch on. Like I would have needed a warm-up episode of them being good you know what I mean like that Mm, like I would have needed another issue of that working otherwise like like reading it it kind of immediately starts to fall apart like issue one you know like things are so hasty yeah Yeah. not going well from the get and I'm like well this feels like a failed experiment and if you were really a good computer you would have fucking scrapped it already but like like they're existing (laughs) for five minutes and it fails like it's not even yeah yeah it's like they didn't even get a year of doing fine like this all takes place in two months I mean like it takes place longer than that I think but it's just because they they do have time a lot of time jumps in the second volume but it is very very quick turnaround he's like what's up neighbors everybody dies what (laughs) there is some death in volume two that it's just it's all very tragic don't get me wrong but I, I get it I get it it just starts and I I can agree with the sense of I didn't get a good chance to be connected to a lot of the characters. There was Mm -hmm. another arc. I think it would have been fine because then you could get settled and really figure out who Vin and Viv and Virginia are without them struggling to be human and a computer at the same time. Like, you know, I think the one that I had the most like capacity for was actually Viv, right? The the little girl. And that was entirely because she seemed to be the one that was doing the best at it. Like, yeah. Just based off of like her interactions with her science partner, who then becomes like <laughs> the first casualty <laughs> of the whole breakdown. And like, like this terrible moment where she didn't let anyone know about that about that compliment like that feel that felt like something that I could relate to that like oh somebody said something nice to me today and I'm going to keep it for myself and then like and now he's dead (laughs) this whole thing I'm sorry I I have so like because I have so little and the whole thing the whole situational like spiral is 
like amusing a little bit because I'm not like, oh, it's a terrible thing to have wasted. I'm like, mm, so who has those kinds of families? <laughs> you know, like yeah. I'm a little bit like that seems like two parents. What? What? If, she doesn't have a job. Who what does, does she do that? all day? Yeah. yeah. Like, what does she do all day? Another thing I was missing and I think would have really informed this is watching the Vision and Wanda's relationship. If I mm. had a comic exposure to it, not just the MCU, but like an actual had read them while they were married type of deal and like watch mm-hmm. that divorce happen because I could tell there was like a call out where he's got this plant that has some significance to Wanda in his house and like it comes up and the wife gets quiet you know like and i'm like mm. yeah <laughs> she's she's the replacement wife you know like there's something there yeah. that she doesn't like so i think that comes up a lot more in the second volume i don't remember the timing of it but in the first volume did they talk about the fact that virginia so vision i guess is made up of the brain waves of miracle man in ultron in the comic books, yes, is. yeah, they talked. They talked about that in this one. Did they mm-hmm. talk about how Virginia is Scarlet Witch? Is Wanda? Yeah, they didn't confirm it, but they hinted at it. I think they so, confirm it in volume two. Okay, yeah. So, like, not only is she the replacement wife, but she's the replacement wife with the brain waves of the ex-wife. Like, that's also kind of fucked up. Who was still alive, right? It's not like she died. Yeah. She's still around. This is a person existing. Mm. Yeah, yeah, no, she's still alive, just- but she's with Miracle Man, I guess, when this is happening. It's it's all it's all messy. It's messy. Whoa! <laughs> it's, Goodness it's miracle- gracious. <laughs> I I think this Miracle is- Man died. And so like he was dead whenever Vision was made. And but then he comes back alive because it's the fucking it's Marvel, yeah. like duh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so when he comes back, like Wanda gets with him because he's like really a human, or what? Like she was really in love with that version. I don't know. I didn't read all of that. This is all like side research, well, but, but it's just so messy. If, so if if Miracle Man is alive, then why did What's His Face come after? Because the like the whole shtick about why What's His Face like attacked the vision family is because of like you're not real you're fakes like how dare you be part of like my brother you know like i don't really know i think that my brother yeah i think the grim reaper is just an evil dude i'm not really sure (laughs) i i i again this is all based on like listening to other podcasts and Wikipedia. So I don't understand the timeline. I don't know if there is a timeline. <laughs> it's like it's all just weird. Um just whatever sticks to the wall when you throw it, I guess. Is that like cooked spaghetti? Yeah. Is that how this works? It's like cooks maybe more like those rubber hands that like when you <gasps> stretch them out, they get a little yeah, and then they stick and Sticky stain hands. the wall. Yeah. <laughs> Or if you stick them just right, just they linger on your ceiling forever, and you're like. Oh, and then you read the shadows. That's like Plato. That it's it's a modern day Plato's theory. You gotta. Oh my god. You only know the, yes. the stain on the wall from the sticky fingers. You never see the sticky fingers themselves. So the plant that you mentioned, it has. <laughs> this is relevant. This is relevant. It's magical. Where the rumor about it is that if you eat one of the leaves, you're supposed to see the future. Mm-hmm. 
but I guess it doesn't always work. And to really get the magic to work, you have to like cut open the belly of whatever ate it and then ate the leaf from that or something. It's Mm -hmm. also messy and weird. So they have a a scene, I think, in the second volume showing that. But instead of the plants, I say we use those sticky hands where we're (laughs) reading the shadows (laughs) to tell the future. Tossing sticky hands. It's modern. You got to adapt to new technology, right? And maybe finger bones are a little bit, you know, people frown on that. But so why not sticky hands? I don't know. I don't know if there's any way for me to be emotionally invested into this because it is such a nightmare from the beginning. Like the fact that they're able to limp it along probably would make it a little bit more like, oh my God. So they just did this for years, you know, like however long (laughs) the time jump is like, oh, this is, it's like. I don't know. I feel like it's the same kind of like thrill people get from watching natural disasters or <laughs> something along the lines of like those terrible people doing terrible things to other people and then having terrible things happen to them shows like it's always fun- sunny in Philadelphia. And, you know, like it's got the same kind of like, ha. Ah. that's fair. I just really like I really related to Viv or no Vin because Vin was so angry and yeah. mistrusting and that like like you said viv was obviously far more well adjusted <laughs> than vin was cuz viv was treated with by like kindly um the same boy who complimented her bullied vin <laughs> so it was like <laughs> uh they had they saw two different sides of the same coin and that anger and distrust i just connected with more so i think overall i connected more with like the dysfunction part so i could see why you're like i don't i don't get this because that's part of (laughs) even dysfunctional it's part of even dysfunctional families is that there's always one person who's like i'm out i'm out like (laughs) yes it's me it's me yeah i'm the the, uh i'll just be in my room (laughs) yeah and that was definitely more viv too and viv obviously or like later on in the second book she struggles with the loss of that boy in a lot of grief around that and the truth comes out about that interaction that he died because Virginia was being blackmailed by his father <laughs> and you know she went immaterial as he shot her meaning the bullet went through her and struck his son and this is very like it's a very violent book so i could totally believe you when you're like i don't understand this uh the emotion behind it why you wouldn't want to keep reading it because it's it's intense it's not a, i mean like it's not a light-hearted read <laughs> it's definitely entertaining like it, it's action-packed how about that i should say it's action-packed yeah. so like i would want to continue reading it because it's a short run so it's not like a huge investment to get to the end of it right like you're you're gonna mm, everything's gonna be washed away right it is this washed away or is this canon <laughs> I think it's washed away. I like I'm not even certain if <laughs> So, like, I mean like I think Viv exists still in some comics. So, it's semi-canonical, but I really don't hmm. know if there's any fallout from this. Like there was another podcaster shout out to Comic Book Couples Counseling because this is where I got it from where the one of the hosts Brad was like Vision joins the Avengers after this book. Like, he's back in the Avengers after this, and he, like, fights and is angry with the Avengers in the Vision, and I'm like, none of this makes sense. So, (laughs) canon or not, like, it's not, 
how do you go through and like infiltrate and attack them and be like, you sent a spy to me and my family, the family I deserved. And that made me so mad because my kid ended up being killed. And then you're like, yeah, I'll join up. Like, who the fuck does that? Like, <laughs> it's not. Anyway. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's just Marvel does as the world turns kind of like, you know, like it's yeah. just very, it's very much like, mm. and I think that's just because it's, I think there, when I read it, it did feel like it was an allegory for a suburban life, you know? Like, I, I do think yeah. that that's why it feels this way. Like, it feels so, I don't know. Like, is this how suburbia is? Like, I guess I'm sure I could ask you because apparently, you know, like, is this how, is this how life is for people? This feels so just. So, kind of. Modeling, like, kind of. Like, the thing that I think about with suburbia, since certainly now that I work in a mental health and in a public mental health setting, the problems that exist in other households exist, like substance abuse, abuse, neglect, they exist in middle class families. It's just that you're rich enough that it's not as visible. So... You're rich enough to have a lawyer means that if the Department of Children and Families was to show up at your door, you would have a lawyer who could come and prevent your kids from being taken away. Or you're rich enough that you have a large enough space that if you went and got high in your bedroom, your kids could be separate. Or they could order pizza and so the food wouldn't be neglected. Or you had a nanny. Or you had other family members who would come in and help out. You just had these resources that keep you from being, like, that are allowed to let you be invisible. You didn't have to go to public mental health centers. If you had nice enough insurance, you could go to a private psychiatrist or a private therapist. So it's just like, or, there's or, enough resources. Or pay for treatment facilities yeah. time and again instead of, instead of having to go or, to jail. <laughs> Or you could pay for the really nice ones, you know? Yeah. Like not, so it's it's just like the money just gives you the power to be invisible. There are multiple times um, where somebody should have gotten involved with my sister and I. I mean, no one did because we learned a lot of – I mean, we learned a lot of survival skills that a lot of other families learn. We were also just lucky enough to have other resources where no one questioned. Like we could do our laundry and have access – too laundry reliable enough that no one could notice that say like our mom hadn't been home in days so it's just again that invisibility thing this is me being very personal and open up i and i'm sorry for anybody who it reminds of their own lives i i have spent years working through this <laughs> and i've come to a point where i can talk about this and be totally fine like i i'm not embarrassed or ashamed about this. This is just, it's what happened. So if anybody was listening and kind of shocked, this is just my reality. Like I've, I've come to terms with my family in ways that I need to. And that's all like y'all that need sometimes. to know. <laughs> like that. So <laughs> suburbia is kind of like that. There's also a posturing with your neighbors about like weird territorial who's doing better like dick measuring contests but it's you know yeah. the color of your lawn 
Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's, I mean, it's like, like, I realize that this is very important for a subset of the world. And, you know, like, I feel bad that that subset is, is dwindling and, you know, like, hashtag middle class problems. But, like, yeah. In Southeast Kansas, it feels very bizarre to... <laughs> Me, it's also like upper mid class problems. Like, let's be real; it's yeah. upper middle class yeah. problems. So, like, yeah. my family was the type of family where if our extended family was coming over, of which there would be thirteen to seventeen other people coming into our house, you know, my mother would do this huge deep cleaning of the house, and my grandmother, may she rest in peace, would like come over and judge. The cleanliness of, like, how white our toilet seat was. Like, she would go buy new toilet seats to impress my aunt who wiped my ass when I was an infant. You know, it was just like, oh, man, these people have seen shit. They shit. I've been to their houses. Like, <laughs> fuck, you, you bleached it. You sanitized it. It's fine. She's like, nope, we got to go get a new one. I'm like, what? She's like, when did you last get a new one? I'm like. You bought a new one at 4th of July, which is the last holiday. It's Thanksgiving. <laughs> Time for a new one. I'm like, I don't understand this. So that wow. – it was a weird a weird. I feel place. like I feel like I was the generation removed from that. So like my grandmother's Congratulations. reality. Thank you. I mean like it goes downhill. It's not like a good – <laughs> it's like we moved further away from town because town was expensive you know like um substance abuse problems drove my family from like the city to hawaii <laughs> inexplicably thinking that that was gonna solve their problems i'm sorry it's funny because like wherever you go there you are you know like that's why it's funny yeah. to me but also that's, that's where also it's hilarious because you went to an island. Like, yes, know, we have like- a substance abuse <laughs> issue. Let's go isolate ourselves. Like, <laughs> Let's go to this city island. It's not like a <laughs> rural Hawaii. It's like, here is Honolulu. You know? Like, <laughs> welcome to a bigger city than Kansas City. You know? like it's More here. expensive um, drugs. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, well, it's not a big deal if you only drink alcohol. Uh, <laughs> alcohol's cheap everywhere. That's true. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Um, and then when they moved back, they moved into farm world, right? And yeah. so my grandma has always had money, you know? And and my... Well, it's because she works. My grandma is a hard worker. She's always had nice things, right? And then there's this uh-huh. weird shift that happened where, like, there was my mom, and then there was my aunt, and my aunt did the suburban life, and my mom didn't. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and then, so, like, it's like, yeah, it's like a huge, huge step down. Like, we went from, like, my mom grew up in you know, like suburbia America with, you know, the money or at least the pretend money and the substance abuse problems mm-hmm. under the rug and all of this stuff. And then like now we're in one of the poorest towns and one of the poorest counties in she's working three minimum wage jobs. And then here I am. You know what I mean? Like, like this is this is what happens yeah. after that fails. And so I guess like 
I feel like my mom would really relate to this book a lot more. Yeah. Than I like, the more I'm looking you at this, the what, more I'm like, though? this sounds like my mom's stories. <laughs> you know what? At the same time, congratulations. Because like being able to relate to this book, like your mom might not have done the suburbia spiel, but like you're not burdened with this weird like middle class trauma that's like from a a negligent family background like you like you being unable to relate to this is also a gift to you and the family that you're gonna create because like well so like i know that if i was to ever become a parent there are going to be certain milestones in my child's life that are going to cause me to be like, oh, fuck, I'm going to turn into my mother. Like, I can't do <laughs> That'll be my mother. And I'm going to have all of this like weird you know, tension about like wanting to emulate my father, who is a reliable figure, versus avoiding things from my mom. And then, you know, struggling with all of that, where like you're going to have your own experiences from coming from a single mother household. But at the same time, like, Knowing you, I hope you're excited about being a parent with a partner. <laughs> like it, it yeah. just like, kind of cool. Well, like, it was the only way I was going to agree to do it. <laughs> I was like, that's, mm, doing it by yourself sucks, so that's not happening. <laughs> hey, but that's still like a really cool thing that you you're at least not going to go into it. And of course, this it doesn't apply for everybody. This is very much a singularly you kind of thing, like. Yeah. <laughs> You're not well, carrying this burden of like, my middle class suburbia lifestyle was fucking negligent and shit. I'm scared no. to parent. You know, like yeah. you had a you had a badass mom who's created this like really happy, healthy human being through years of whatever self-work you had to do. And you're like, I'm not gonna do this alone and it's gonna be fucking great. But that's don't let me put words in your mouth. Well, I mean I think that I have a different subset of problems than a lot of the narratives in the world do. Like, people don't – single moms get stories, but it's usually, like, their children aren't there. I don't know if – I don't know if you've noticed this, but, like, when it's a single mom storyline, it's the the moms are working and out doing things and maybe partying or maybe – like, you know, and it's never just, like – their relationship with their children you know like maybe that gets five minutes of screen time in those stories you know like so I feel like this is a subset of storytelling that isn't super well explored in my experience but like I've had this weird like high off of it because it's like look at all of the problems I don't have you know like (laughs) the divorced the divorced family narrative is not a thing that I've ever worried about, <laughs> you know, like, like I've, ne- you know, things like that, that I've been, you know, like, yeah, sure. I've had to overcome whatever dark, you know, whatever thing, you know, I was left alone a lot as a child because of all of the jobs and stuff, but also like I had a lot of benefits that other people don't get whenever you have like a single parent versus a solo parent situation. Like my mom had my grandparents that she could rely on and like she did a good job of finding people in her to build a structure for herself with friends, you know, and family. And like, I think that is a really niche (laughs) experience in single family, like single parent households. 
like I don't know I don't know that this is something that people could extrapolate from like oh yeah no like Jessica from girls.comics had a good time of it like obviously like it'll be fine right. like no right. like <laughs> there was a lot of shit there in the middle but um I feel lucky that a lot of the narratives of family trauma and of like generational trauma don't really look like my family. <laughs> so I don't have to be here like, oh yeah, that's terrible. Every story that comes up, I'm like, God, that makes me hurt for myself. And I'm like, mm, shit sucks to suck. Like, I don't know. <laughs> mm, sure. Dad seemed that like traditional more trouble nuclear than family. <laughs> no, okay. Yeah. So in defense of my father, my father was like really fucking cool. And my mom, for the most part, was. It was just like the last. I think that's the. Seven it's a weird narrative, isn't it? Why is why is that the narrative of the U.S. is that the like, the fathers are are terrible and mothers aren't? I'm gonna just <laughs> I'm just gonna say it's sexism. Like, yeah, I don't I don't know. I think it's just inherent sexism, both for and against men and women. Like the entire idea that fathers, like stay at home dads, are still controversial. You know, like it's just, it's just yeah. inherent flawed beliefs about it. My father was phenomenal, and for quite a few years, my mother was too. And then yeah. stuff happened, so it's just people have journeys. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I think that just has to do with a lot of people wanting women to just be good mothers, and it's maternal instinct bullcrap, and ugh. it's a lot of pressure. I'm just going to tell you, it's a lot of pressure. Like this, this whole, the narrative around all of it is real. It's a lot, you know, I, I have, I have the benefit of having uh, like five mother friends who have been well-established mothers before me who have children of ages like two to 18, you know, and, and they're some of my best friends in the world and they have a very varied relationships to their children they have a very laid-back approach to the whole situation in totality I think like all of them are fairly laid-back and I'm gonna be completely honest with you Erin like having those friendships for so many years and being exposed to their children and seeing that that model that perfectionism that was kind of beaten into me like you gotta do it all yourself and you gotta be perfect or it's gonna be a huge disappointment and what if they don't love you like that is no longer uh, <laughs> there's only three of them if they leave you're alone you know like it's like <laughs> there's different issues whenever there's a limited pool of people in your family like <laughs> I'm just gonna say it but um like that's an seeing... existential fear I don't want to explore but yes go ahead yeah. continue <laughs> <laughs> yeah let's not Mm. But, like, seeing them overcoming their histories and having different approaches and being accepting of other people's approaches. Like, if I would have just stayed on the internet <laughs> and watched the internet and go, oh, this seems terrible. I'm never doing that. Like, like that would have been where I was, you know? Like, it took exposure mm. to real-life mothers who were in the middle of raising children who all are pretty awesome little kids you know like that was really what it took for me to think you know that seems like that might be fun like more than awful like maybe I want to do that because I really enjoy interacting with their kids during all of these 
milestones of their lives, you know, like, so I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say that it's not scary because like, <sighs> Facebook is just bombarding me with all sorts of weird ass stuff but like <laughs> also like like having a real structure around you you know like I feel like a lot of people live in isolation right now I mean obviously but even before I feel like people had a lot of isolation where like coming out of the college circuit you either lose touch with the people who settle down to have families or like just the grind of life you know, like in the like what nowness of it all. Like there, there's this huge like stalling point after you graduate. Like fuck, <laughs> you know, like what now? I've done all of the things and I've been so focused on this and doing it well that I've now like God, I'm 30. What am I gonna do? Like I feel like that's, I mean, a huge obstacle to overcome. If children weren't your like immediate like out of the womb, I'm going to procreate type of inclination, you know? I know there's people who do that, who like the idea of having kids and having a family and would totally pull this vision bullshit of this is what I deserve. You know, like, it's a good thing to have a family, you know? Like, <laughs> what? Yeah. Who thought that was a good thing to have? They're terrible. But um, <laughs> but watching you a know, couple of, like, functional ones, I've now come around a little bit to, like, yeah, maybe that's a good thing to have. Totally. I respect that. and. I, you know, I wasn't one of those people who was like, I need a family. And I I think I'm right there with you, though. I, I don't think I've been as lucky to have or been able to maintain close relationships with people who've had kids. A lot of my friends have been men. So usually being friends with the father, you're, you're more seen as the escape time <laughs> than mm-hmm. the co-parenting time so i i do have a friend up here who i was getting really close to right before the pandemic shut down and she and her partner were like fuck it we're not we are staying inside so i don't blame that um and i had a lot of other good friends who had kids and i was spending time with it and i fell in love with the idea but we grew distant but i've always been more of a friend of the dads (laughs) they're not exactly the group who are like, we're going to get our young kids together. <laughs> it's always been yeah. like, we're going to escape and play board games. So I see them more. It, at the same time, it's really nice being a girl in that group because I, I do try to foster positivity and they're hearing them be excited about fatherhood really can be a positive impact from a different perspective because I do think I fall more in line with a lot of the fathers I know than the mothers I know because – I would be that parent who'd want to be out of the house. I don't want to be a stay-at-home mom. I I want to be working and providing and bringing home stuff. So like that traditional father role of being a caretaker is something that I relate to more than the maternal role of staying and nurturing. So it it's been a positive impact in a different way of having all these fathers be excited about being able to come home and do parenting stuff. Um, mm-hmm. and seeing their children grow and bond. And so that that's impacted me differently. I also do have quadruplet cousins. And so like watching Holy them shit. as babies was a turnoff because like they were oh. all color coded and it was just no. like, I don't want to have children. No. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> so like uh, I have a little bit of a conflicting viewpoint there <laughs> of like, 
being hey, a caretaker you know, sounds amazing, but four at once sounds like hell, but I'm probably not going to have four at once. And all my cousins are really, really cool people. So it's just like, oh, I'm at a man. crossroads. <laughs> Listen, I was real happy. There was only one heartbeat. That's all I have to say. I was like, <laughs> Congratulations. Yes, this is fine. Thank you. It's only one. There could only you know, be one. No, probably not. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> whatever. I do hope when this gets published, Tom King will listen to this. And I hope he appreciates us talking about families and the ideas of them and dysfunctional family. And I hope he either judges us kindly or appreciates. I mean, the entire book is about family. Like, yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's a really good book and I 100% would recommend this book to people for all of the reasons it was recommended to me I just feel like I just feel like yeah no I couldn't have put it better than I did earlier which is just like families who wants those like they weren't a thing that I've ever wanted like to have including my own most of the time growing up so it's like <laughs> why would vision this all-powerful being go mm, you know what i need as a reward a lifetime of draining emotional labor <laughs> and no control over my future like what oh, you know what i need a teenager what <laughs> two of them two teenagers why not even giving himself like the baby step first, which I hundred percent no. feel is the way that people deal with teenagers later. Is they're like, yeah, but they were cute when they were small. Like they just have to keep telling themselves things like that. You know, now I understand why parents would say that stuff to us. Like being an adult, like if I had a child who's being belligerent, I would probably be like, I only love you because I wiped your ass. Mm -hmm. And like. <laughs> Like, your behavior yeah. is a result of me. Like, fuck off. But, you know, that's <laughs> probably why but I'm not too a late mom. to fix it now. That's, I think that's how a lot of people feel when they're, like, their teenagers have this huge turn. It's like, well, there's nothing I can do at this point. Like, that's going to be their work later. Like, good job. Enjoy your therapy. I've done you're like, my washing my hands of your emotional development. <laughs> you're fine. Like, it's You're fine. on your own now. But mom, well, I mean, like, I'm eight years old. You're fine. Oh, you, like, you're just it's fine. Thank you. Suck it up, Buttercup. Like we're kind of just yeah. this is the world now. This is this is what it is to be a human. No, which is I feel like now. This I feel like this whole this whole book. Like yeah, now that I've talked about it with you, I feel like this whole book has definitely made me think about families in a different way. God, it's fast, and I, I feel like it. Yeah, it's to its benefit. You know, like it was able to kind of kung fu punch like fist of fury your your emotional state with terrible things coming down like an avalanche. But I don't know, like it, it is definitely an interesting thing. Like who would have who thought, hey, you know what? The vision, you know, that weird like computery data-esque character that's sort of a, a tragic figure we should totally make a family dynamic around that and do this family thing. Like that is just, it feels like opposites. I don't know. All right. just, I so mean, we like, have this computer. computer. Let's make him a dad. <laughs> like, yeah. It feels like, it feels like something that somebody had to be really good at their job to think of. Of course now, but before I'm sure like pitching it was like, no, no, no. He'll hear me out. Hear me out. <laughs> <laughs> 
it'll be fine. Like, he makes yeah. himself a family, dude. It's like a suburban drama <laughs> with these huge, like, interstellar beings. But it's just a suburban drama. No, no, no. Really, dude. Fortunately, Tom King's a really solid author. Like, he's a really great writer. So I'm s- hopefully by the time this came out, people were like, we trust you, Tom. You have some questions, but we trust you. <laughs> just there he was producing this work. Did I railroad you off of anything you wanted to talk about on this book? You had so many feels. I feel like I kind of No, I, I think we covered all, all of it. And I'm glad we talked about what we did because mine was going to be just like, oh, this feels like an Adam and Eve story and like, look at all <laughs> this and da 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 da. And it would have been weird. So I'm really glad we talked about it. I think some people might listen to it and be like, this isn't a fun conversation because they might not care about family dynamics but for us this is the shit we care about yeah put this in your repertoire of things to not do as a parent Um, (laughs) that is that is legit hey maybe just don't do some of these things and also if you you know liked what we do here which is admittedly probably fairly odd is (laughs) as far as podcasts go maybe follow us on facebook or on twitter or you know like hit us up on Kofi and buy us a comic book. We are available in most places you stream and we are definitely looking at expanding those things. So if you have a preferred method of listening, let us know how we can help. We're here for you. For you. We're we're here for you more than Vision was for Viv and Vin. It's a really low bar. Too soon, Aaron. Too soon. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, that was pretty. Ooh. I feel dirty from saying that. Anyway, we love you. Love you. Bye. Bye. Yeah, no, it's cool that he remembered Fall Out Boy because I knew that other people had sampled that song. And that's usually what I'm singing whenever I'm singing that, like, bass line. But it is actually a Susan Vega's Tom's Diner. But he gave me the hint that got me to Google the right thing. So congratulations. Hey. <laughs> David helps. <laughs> he already left. I, I'm glad that he, yeah, remembered Fall Out Boy. I... I was not going to put that together. Speaking of families, my family just brought me dinner.